The Democratic presidential candidates are courting Planned Parenthood. We'll tell you who is promising the most when it comes to abortion funding and what that means. The Senate held a sleepover with Democrats hoping to withdraw the troops from Iraq. And we'll cover the basics of the Baptist faith and message. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. Those who think we can split from Iraq in the middle of the conflict and deal with Iran with a Tehran Tea Party are not just hopeful, they're delusional. Republican Senator Orrin Hatch in the uh, all-nighter sleepover photo op for those who want to pull our troops out of Iraq last night. Of course, his position did win the day because there was no cloture vote. Uh, Harry Reid could not get to 60 votes to vote on this defense authorization bill with an amendment added uh, that would uh, say that troops would need to be pulled beginning soon and ending by April of 2008. Barack Obama, running for president, made some statements about it on NBC's Today Show. He said lawmakers should not tell military leaders how to do their job. That's what lots of people are saying that uh, have some common sense. He said, but they do need to define a successful mission for them. What is the job we're asking them to do? That is the, the role of civilian leadership. And our civilian leadership has failed our military and our troops are bearing the burden for it. So what we have to do is define a mission for them that can be successful, I believe, a phased withdrawal. A little bit later in the program, we're going to talk about a conference that starts tomorrow in Dallas. It addresses the North American Union and the Trans-Texas Corridor. We're going to talk about that with one of the participants. And also we're going to discuss uh, the Baptist faith and message. It's very important for denominations to clearly declare the tenets of the faith, the doctrines. And we're going to ask the author of a new book about the Baptist faith and message about that subject. We did an interview with him uh, at the Southern Baptist Convention. We'll have that a little bit later. But remember Hillary Care? Remember the Clinton health care plan? One of the things that plan did was to promise to fund abortion. Uh, Hillary Clinton is promising universal health care. One of the goals that I will be presenting is health insurance for every child and universal health care for every American. That will be you know, a very major part of my campaign. Well, Hillary is uh, not saying anything about abortion right now, but John Edwards is, and uh, so is Barack Obama. Uh, in fact, the candidates talked to Planned Parenthood, which is the nation's largest abortion provider. Here's what Barack Obama says about it. 
We've got more work to do to make sure that every single American has decent, affordable, quality health care in this country. We can do it by the end of the next president's first term. The candidates, as, as I said, the Democratic candidates went to see Planned Parenthood, have a little chat with them, and uh, former Senator John Edwards uh, and Barack Obama both talking about their plans for universal health coverage. Abortion is included. Uh, John Edwards' wife, Elizabeth Edwards, says this. She says, only a truly universal health care plan guarantees that every woman will have her health care needs met, and those needs, of course, include this wonderful word, reproductive health services. All reproductive health services, including pregnancy termination, will be available components of this plan. Obama making similar statements. And uh, to me, that's a little bit scary. And I think our next guest can give us some light on this subject. She is Kyleen Wright, and she is with Texans Coalitions for Life, Texas Coalition for Life. Eileen, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Penna. It's great to be here. This is a scary statement when you have the candidates uh, basically debating uh, seeing who would cover abortion services more broadly in America. Well, it is, and we've seen this with some of these people, with Obama and Hillary in the past, jumping all over themselves to um, be the most for abortion, um, to uh, do the most that they can to please Planned Parenthood. And, and Planned Parenthood, frankly, does have some deep pockets and some activists, and um, it, it's just sad that we've got people working so hard. We have a shortage of um, workers and babies in this country that's sort of um, played into the whole immigration uh, fight, and and yet we've got these candidates here talking about how we can um, eliminate more Americans and and pay for the damage. And, you know, on top of that, Penna, it just, it's sad that there are still people who presume that this will somehow help women. The right. worst thing you can do to a woman is to harm her child. Kyleen Wright is with me. She is with Texas for Life Coalition. I had the words backwards before. But, Kyleen, when you look at a plan, a health care plan, and we won't go into the details of what universal health care would even cost, the dollars and cents, but what does that look like when it uh, talks about funding abortion? Is this just poor women? Is this universal across the board? What is it? Well, um, of course, that's we all know about Hillary Care is more universal, and uh, I'm sure that we can look for much of that on the left. But let's just talk about for poor women, for Medicaid abortions. Um, we know that um, a third of the women who would normally be seeking an abortion and qualify for government for Medicaid, um, if the money's not there, will give birth. So we know that the numbers that we're already seeing would automatically jump. But but we would um, um, say on the an average early abortion is three hundred and seventy dollars. A fourteen week abortion on average is six hundred and fifty dollars. And if we looked at paying for a third of our abortions through Medicaid, which is what we did before, then we would be looking at paying two hundred and fifty five point five million dollars a year. Hmm. For, uh, to kill babies, basically. Yes. Yeah, and that's a conservative estimate. Um, so, you know, we've had this Hyde Amendment that limited Medicaid money for abortions mm-hmm. in place for 30 years. And Americans know that abortion's controversial. They're not comfortable with it, and they're certainly not comfortable with the government funding it. 
Kylene uh, Wright is with me, and Kylene, of, of course, works here in the state of Texas, but I think these words are wise as we look at uh, this 2008 presidential race uh, talking about health care. It's a top issue. And, uh, of course, the left and the pro-abortion groups are very, very worried about not only uh, funding for abortion, but also Roe versus Wade itself. And, Kylene, uh, basically, did you get any signals from the Supreme Court decision upholding the ban on partial birth abortion, whether or not Roe versus Wade could be be overturned, say, in the next few years? Well, of course, we're very hopeful, and even the, the left is very nervous about this um, conservative court, and um, there, there were some hopeful things, and it was encouraging that the court was looking to what some of these uh, women who've been harmed by abortion have to say. It was also, I think, ingenious on the part of, Chief, of the Chief Justice to ask Kennedy the new O'Connor, if you will, the swing vote on the court to do all the research for this decision and have to look at the grisly facts up close. That can only play in our favor in the future. You know, Kylene, one more question, because uh, a lot of times we look at this and, uh, I mean, it's just hard to even stomach the idea that candidates would be pandering to people to see who can offer the most funding for abortion. Do you ever see a day where Democrats could see the writing on the wall that abortion is a loser and pro-life is a winner and begin to fight with Republicans for who could be the most pro-life. I I believe that it is possible. We saw that happen with slavery and and race relations, um, almost a flip even in, in the party's positions or the perception of the party's positions at one time. And um, and that, that day is coming as more and more women continue to talk about how their abortion hurt them, as science begins, uh, you know, continues to uh, pull back the, the curtain on the womb and, um, and we see some of the effects of the shortage of our birth, some of the things that, that um, are affecting Europe coming over here, I believe that people, the pendulum will swing back. Kylene, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do so? They can go to our website at textlife.org, T-E-X-Life.org, or give us a call at uh, 972-790-9044. We would love to put them to work battling the culture for life. Something you do so well. Kylene Wright, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Penna. That's, Ky- that's Kylene Wright of Texans for Life Coalition. And uh, Zogby poll came out today and uh, showed that uh, among Democrat presidential candidates, Hillary Clinton is uh, winning by far. She has a 37% uh, 37% of the vote uh, of the folks who were surveyed by John Zogby. 25% lead over uh, Illinois Senator Barack Obama. And, of course, in third place is uh, North Carolina Senator John Edwards and uh, Senator Edwards' uh, wife spoke to Planned Parenthood and basically said that it would be very important to do what they would like to be done, to see done, and that is funding abortion. Well, another supporter, somebody who wants to help Obama shrink his, uh, uh, shrink Hillary Clinton's lead over him, is Oprah Winfrey. She's, uh, she's basically thrown her support behind Barack Obama, she says he's her type of guy, her favorite guy, and she's really putting her money where her mouth is because she's going to do a fundraiser at her palatial home in Santa Barbara. It's going to be September 8th, and uh, it'll be for Barack Obama. She endorsed Barack Obama, which is something she never does for a presidential candidate, on Larry King Live recently. 
can a black man be elected president of the United States? I believe he can. I believe a black man can, and I believe he can. You think he's going to win the nomination? I'm not here to say whether he will win or not, but I believe you asked me, do I believe that he can? I believe that he can. Is it possible? Yes, I do believe that it's possible. This is my senator, my favorite senator. Have you endorsed the candidate before? Never. What made you do so now? Uh, because I know him personally. I think that what he, you know, stands for, what he has proven that he uh, can stand for, what he's shown, um, was was worth me going out on a limb for. And I haven't done it in the past because I haven't felt that anybody, I didn't know anybody well enough to be able to say, I believe in this person. Well, uh... The two candidates aren't fighting too hard. As a matter of fact, uh, Barack Obama wants to keep the uh, tenor of the communication on a high level. And uh, if he goes negative, then he gets criticism for those who have said that you tried to portray yourself as a new kind of candidate, sort of floating above the sniping and the snapping. And so, in a sense, he does not come out uh, fighting against Hillary Clinton. And it's, it's going to be fun to watch this as uh, this candidacy uh, and this race heats up between the two of them. And Hillary got a recommendation from somebody who I read every other week in Newsweek and don't ever agree with, and that's Anna Quindlen, liberal columnist. She says that Hillary Clinton ought to make Barack Obama her running mate. And she says there are a lot of reasons to do so. Number one, you've got two candidates from quote-unquote minorities that would draw people into the party. You'd have a female president and a black vice president. wonder if Barack Obama would accept her invitation. Um, that's a good question. In fact, why don't you uh, give us a call and let us know what you think. Do you think that would be a great ticket for the Democrats? Does it have a chance? 1-800-881-9270. Also, we're going to talk about the sleepover that took place in the United States Senate. Uh, it was a photo op. You had the folks from MoveOn.org demonstrating outside of senators' offices, trying to get them to vote to require troops to be pulled beginning in uh, about 120 days out by next year. Of course, that could never pass right now. They didn't even get enough votes to take a vote. But again, it was just another way for those who think they got elected because of the opposition to the war to, uh, I guess, show their gratitude, show their position. It was an all-night party, cots, pillows, toothpaste, everything. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Stay with us for more of Jerry Johnson Live. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture in the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with his word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. 
That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. On this vote, the yeas are 52, the nays are 47. Three-fifths of the senators duly chosen and sworn not having voted in the affirmative. The motion is not agreed to. After debating all night long on this Democrat proposal to order troop withdrawals from Iraq, that was Senator Sheldon Whitehouse announcing the vote. Of course, there were cots set up. There were pillows delivered. There were sign-up sheets for the senators to speak. And uh, Barack Obama, of course, running for president, a little bit behind Hillary Clinton, signed up for the 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. slot just as the TV news programs were starting their broadcast. So you can see what a photo op this was for the senators. And we're going to talk about it a little bit later on the program. In the program, but first, I want to talk about something that's coming to Dallas beginning uh, July 19th, which is tomorrow, at the Crown Plaza, Dallas, near the Galleria. It's a Freedom 21 conference, and the subject is the North American Union and the Trans-Texas Corridor, subjects we've talked about here on the program. And with me to discuss it is one of those participating, and uh, his name is Howard Hutchinson. Howard, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, great to be here, Pena. Howard, tell us about the conference that starts tomorrow. Well, Freedom 21 was uh, organized as uh, uh, an entity to uh, advance freedom in the 21st century. Uh, each year we have uh, a conference, and this year's uh, conference theme is the North American Community and the tech, uh, Trans-Texas Corridor. Uh, we have quite a list of uh, distinguished speakers. Tell us who some of them are. Uh, we're going to have Tom De- DeWeese, who is uh, the founder of the American Policy Center. Uh, we'll have uh, Kathy Adams, who is president of the Texas Eagle Forum. Uh, we have uh, Dan Byfield, uh, who is a uh, Texas uh, native son, uh, and uh, he is with the American Land uh, Foundation and has been one of the uh, leading uh, people here in Texas uh, working to inform people about the Trans-Texas Corridor. Howard Hutchinson is my guest, and he is with Freedom 21, a conference that starts tomorrow. And, Howard, uh, I find it very interesting that um, sort of this concern about a North American Union and this Trans-Texas Corridor has been heating up over the last uh, year and a half or so. And our legislature, which only meets every other year, actually addressed this Trans-Texas Corridor and stopped it, in a sense. Uh, It was sort of on a fast track, and some concerns were brought up, and there was sort of a limited victory there in the Texas legislature. So, in a sense, you guys will probably be celebrating that and talking about how to stop uh, initiatives such as that, won't you? Yes. On Saturday, there's a specific training session uh, that involves uh, Dan and Margaret Byfield, uh, who are also with uh, Stewards of the Range, and uh, Fred Kelly Grant, who is an attorney and also the president of the Stewards of the Range. And it it's going to be hands-on type training. Uh, you know, we don't believe in, in throwing a conference where we just uh, banter around mm-hmm. uh, ideas and, and problems. We try to have people walk away with with the ability to do something about these things. So this is for activists? Yes, ma'am, it certainly is. Howard, how can people, is it too late for people to sign up if, if they're interested? 
Well, right now uh, we're looking at probably uh, between 150 and 200 people. Uh, there is some limited space available if people wanted to uh, just walk up and, and register. So they can actually uh, walk in on Saturday? Uh, they could, well, or tomorrow. we start tomorrow, uh, but they could uh, come in uh, any one of the three mornings and, uh, and register for, for the programs. And it's at the Crown Plaza in Dallas near the Galleria? Yes, ma'am. That's the place. Is there a website if someone wanted to find out more about this? Yes, uh, you can uh, go to freedom21.org, or you can go to uh, e- uh, the yeah, it's freedom.org. Freedom.org. www.freedom.org. And this is the 8th Annual Freedom 21 National Conference. Yes, ma'am. All right, Howard Hutchinson, thank you so much for bringing us up to date on that. I think, uh, folks, a lot of uh, folks in this area are very, very interested in these subjects. You may get some walk-ins. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Penna. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get back to what happened, uh, the little sleepover slumber party that took place last night, because I think it was uh, just kind of fun to hear some of the things these senators had to say. Of course, Senator Harry Reid had to pull the bill because there were not enough votes for cloture. In the Senate, you need 60 to get a vote. And, uh, of course, Democrats were saying that wasn't fair. But he said that um, really his goal here is to get us out of Iraq. We can't keep marking time while President Bush's failed war plan continues to crumble. And he said uh, in the debate that the Senate needs to force the withdrawal. President Bush has proven beyond any doubt that if we simply express our opinion, if we pass sense the Senate legislation, if we don't put teeth behind our positions, he'll ignore us. It couldn't be clearer that if you give this president a choice, he will stay hunkered down in Iraq until the end of his failed presidency. You know, it's interesting that if these Democrats and the Republicans that are joining them in this effort, and not very many did this time, if they really wanted to pull uh, the troops out, then they should pull the funding. And they didn't do that. This was a, a defense authorization bill. And what they wanted to do was just add some strings, add some amendments. They weren't able to do that, but they decided to stay all night to just kind of show their base, the moveon.org folks, that... Uh, you know, thank you for supporting us in our elections is basically, I think, what it's about here. And uh, so these senators continue to talk uh, into the evening. And um, I want to get to the next senator, who I believe is Norm Coleman. Is that right, Larry? Norm Coleman is a Republican, senator from Minnesota. And he was asking why the Democrats are so keen to press this deadline in Iraq right now. Why at this point in time, other than there are I presume interest groups on the left who are concerned that the uh, Democratic majority hasn't done what the moveon.org wants them to do. That's really the question, and I think that's what they were trying to do. Of course, uh, the position that won the day was the one that said, uh, let's let the surge do its work. The surge is working. Uh, But Senator Dick Durbin was another one who uh, helped put this on. In fact, interns from his office were dispatched to buy toothpaste, toothbrushes, deodorant, and other things. They sent these to the GOP offices to try to get them to uh, kind of coalesce with the Democrats to vote to pull the troop, to vote uh, for this amendment to pull the troops. It didn't work very well, but it was a nice stunt. Here's Dick Durbin. This will come back. It will return again and again. Our colleagues in the Senate are going to have a chance to go home, explain their votes, and vote again. 
And eventually, I am confident they'll join us in changing the direction in Iraq. You know, what you have to uh, wonder right now is what do the troops think uh, when they're watching the news and they're seeing uh, what the Senate is doing right now? And uh, that's what I'd like to hear from you about is, do you think that uh, this is a wise idea on the part of the United States Senate when we've got troops in Iraq working hard? There's a surge. There are extra troops there now. They are actually being effective in some areas in uh, battling al-Qaeda. They're actually getting the Sunnis support in doing that for the first time. They're actually clearing some of these areas. They're actually making some progress in the security area. Uh, Is this a time for the United States Senate, the powerful body here in the United States of of America, to say, we want to start pulling you out right when you're making some progress? Give us a call, uh, 881-9270, 1-800-881-9270, if you would like to weigh in on this. Uh, We have several other senators who spoke last night. As a matter of fact, uh, let's go now to Senator John McCain. He actually made some sense, uh, and he had the right position on this. He's not doing well in his presidential campaign, but you do have to admire him uh, for just continuing to support the administration and the White House on the war. He said now is not the time for bringing home the troops. We must show even greater patience, though our patience is nearly exhausted. And that as long as there is a prospect for not losing this war, then we must not choose to lose it. Uh, Another senator who has been very strong on this has been Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina. And, uh, you know, in the face of the fact that we've had this intelligence report that says al-Qaeda is getting stronger, some of the uh, folks who are supporting getting the troops out are using this as a reason to say that we're not effective against al-Qaeda because al-Qaeda is so strong in Iraq. But you know that anywhere the Americans are going, the terrorists are going to go, and that's what we're fighting there. Lindsey Graham said on NBC's Today show that um, he thinks the troop surge is working. My belief is that the old strategy failed, that al-Qaeda got stronger because we were not out in communities, we were behind walls, and now with the surge, with 30,000 more additional combat troops, al-Qaeda is on the run, Anbar has been recaptured, and we're making progress. The Republicans are sort of sticking Uh, with their party and with their leadership here on this because, and especially in this vote, I think it's resonating with them that uh, Petraeus' work over there is actually making some progress and that the troop surge is working. Let's give it a chance. Uh, Let me take uh, a call from Stan in Arlington. Stan, thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I have a couple of comments. One is regarding the, the troop morale. Yeah, I think you know, one of the worst things that you can do, uh, you know, as a, as a Congress, as a country in general, is to, you know, back your troops one moment and then, then the next moment say, nah, we're going to pull out. You know, we're going to stop funding. I mean, I think as a soldier, I would, I'd be like, why am I over here now? You know, you, you're supporting me on the one hand, and now you're saying, ah, we don't need to support you guys. Y'all come on home. I mean, that would really make me feel, you know, kind of kind of worthless as a soldier. And also those who died already. You know, what did that for then? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, it, it doesn't make sense. Um, what you say makes a lot of sense, Dan. I mean, you know, it's kind of, kind of, you know, so I did want to comment also on you had mentioned the, the Barack Obama-Hillary ticket as a viable ticket. Hey, Stan, all, I got I to gotta okay. go to a break. So can you hold over the break and uh, we'll let you continue 
uh, right after the break in the next segment. Also, next up, you know, it's really important for denominations to be clear about doctrine. Southern Baptist Convention has been so, and we're going to talk about that after this. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's Penna Dexter. Senator Barack Obama is trying to peel away Senate uh, Clinton backers in the presidential race. Uh, he does say that he is for expanded access to uh, health insurance, which would cover reproductive health services. When asked about it, he said yes, that would, or his spokesman said that would include abortion. We've still got um, Stan on the line from Arlington. Stan, your comment. Yes. Uh, yeah, in regards to the, the Clinton-Obama ticket, whether it would be viable or not, I think the, the answer to that question is emphatically yes. When you look at the Democratic Party, I think there are two words that come to mind to, to define that party is liberalism and minorities, <laughs> you know, when you yeah. think about that. Um, so that would make a whole lot of sense for, the, for them to do that. Um, as, as a, on the other hand, and I'd like to say that I'm a Republican and happen to be African-American, um, the Republican Party, I think, you, you, you know, we have to put, we have to put some, some uh, minority faces on the Republican Party to demonstrate that, hey, we want, you know, more, uh, you know, like-minded African-Americans, Hispanics, you know, who are conservative, because mm-hmm. I guarantee you they're Good out point. there. Um, a lot of them are closet, to be quite frank. Yeah. Uh, I, I myself was one of those for, for a long time. Well, we're glad you're on the side. Listen, i got to go because we've got a um, pre-taped interview I have to air. I think this is a subject for another day. And uh, we need to cover this, minorities uh, in the Republican Party, and, uh, you know, let's reward that. And, uh, you know, the immigration bill wasn't the way to do it. But uh, thank you so much for your call. We appreciate it, Stan. I want to go now to the interview that we did at the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, it has to do with the Baptist faith and message. When he mentions it, he'll say BFNM 2000. It's really the doctrinal statement of the Southern Baptist need to stay clear on that, and that's what uh, Dr. Joseph Waddell, who wrote a book on the Baptist faith and message, is trying to do. He is actually a Criswell professor of philosophy. Here's that interview. The reason uh, we're doing this interview today is because of uh, a project you've been working on, and it's sitting right in front of me, and it's a, it's a book that you have edited along with Douglas Blount called The Baptist Faith and Message 2000. Now, uh, why is this important for this great convention and for the culture at large. Doug Blunt and I uh, edited this book. We've been working on it for about two years, and it is important um, because what it is is it's an exposition or an explanation and a defense of the BFNM 2000. And, of course, the BFNM 2000 is important because it defines uh, the doctrines and what we believe. Um, and this book, our book, uh, explains uh, why those doctrines are important and uh, tries to put a, a philosophical, theological, and a biblical defense behind them. You know, uh, when we look at the culture at large, and also many other denominations in the culture, uh, and we watch what's happening to them, uh, I see, in a sense, when I look at some of them, I see chaos. Because uh, they're not um, bored by scripture or principle, and they're basically going toward the doctrines of men, many of which are very, very sinful, and that's why it's important to write down and adhere to what are our traditional principles, isn't it? It is. It's important. And uh, I was approached on the way in here by uh, one of the news media uh, for the local paper here in San Antonio, and we talked about this. And, and he said, you know, you're young and you're conservative, 
uh, is that normal in Southern Baptist life? <laughs> and I said, uh, yes, it is. I know all kinds of young uh, conservatives who are excited about engaging the culture and speaking the truth in love. Because, I mean, think about it. If somebody wants to jump off the building and they think they can fly, uh, it's not loving to tell them, okay, go ahead and do that. I mean, the loving thing to do is to tell somebody the truth, and, uh, and that's what we as Southern Baptists are trying to do. Dr. Woodell, many of our listeners are not Southern Baptists, and they see a document like the Baptist Faith and Message, and they accuse it of being a creed or sort of a top-down, you must believe this. What would be your response to that? Well, it's a definition of, uh, of what we do believe. Um, all Southern Baptist churches are uh, autonomous, and, um, and, and the BFNM 2000, you know, we have seminary professors and college professors and missionaries sign that document, but uh, church members are, of course, not required to, to sign it. It's an explanation of what Southern Baptists believe. Now, just for our listeners' sake, uh, what is the Baptist Faith and Message? I mean, what it, does it talk about? What are the contents of the Baptist Faith and Message? Well, there are 18 articles, uh, and it's gone through uh, three different um, revisions. We had the 1925, the 1963, and then most recently the 2000. And in the 63 and 2000, there are 18 articles from everything to, from Scripture to the doctrine of God, uh, Christian education, stewardship, um, I could read through them if you wanted me to, but they, it touches on all aspects of uh, Christian life and doctrine. Now, I noticed you mentioned there, were, uh, there was a 1925, 1963, and 2000. Can you talk about some of the differences? I'm thinking especially the article of Scripture between 1963 and the 2000. What are, why is there a need for a, another confession of faith or another Baptist faith and message? Good question. The, uh, the article on the Scriptures is the one uh, that I wrote on in this new book. And uh, in the 63 version, there was something called the Criterion Statement, which said that the criterion by which Scripture is to be interpreted is Jesus Christ. And that sounds good on the surface, and there were a lot of well-meaning people who, who used that in a very positive way. Uh, but it also uh, became, for a lot of folks, uh, a problem because a lot of people began to see the red letters in Scripture as more inspired than the rest of Scripture and I actually talked to one gentleman, a pastor of a church in Texas, who told me, look, if Jesus says one thing, for example, about women in ministry or homosexuality, and Paul says something else, I'm going to go with Jesus over Paul. And my response is, well, didn't Jesus write the whole Bible? And so that's one of the things that's clarified, and that criterion statement is removed in the 2000 version, and uh, it's, it's presented much more clearly. Another way to... Uh, uh, to cause problems uh, with that criterion statement is um, it, it becomes my personal relationship with Christ that becomes the, the key or the criterion for interpreting Scripture. Um, and, and that becomes problematic because sure. you get all kinds of interpretations. So potentially someone could say, Christ has revealed this truth to me, and even though it contradicts what the Bible says, since the, the criterion by which the Bible is to be interpreted is Jesus Christ, I've had the experience with Christ they can change their interpretation or view of Scripture. Is that right? That's right. My experience becomes the judge of Scripture rather than vice versa, and that's a problem. And I think the, the 2000 BFNM is, is very helpful for, uh, for, uh, for changing that and clarifying that. I'm looking down your list here, and I see uh, the issue, for instance, of education. Uh, it's something that uh, this convention deals with almost on an annual basis uh, because uh, we look at public education and we find uh, it moving away having moved far away from Christian values, it's extremely secularized. And uh, so just give me a little preview of what's in that chapter. 
Yeah, Doug Blunt and I uh, both agree that Steve Lemke's article in here on education uh, is probably the best article in the book. It's very well done, and uh, he gives a great defense for um, why we need Christian education, uh, both on the, on the, for children and for college and seminary and all the rest. Um, so that's what that article is about. And, he gives, and he's a philosopher. Steve is a philosopher, as, as are many of the people who contributed to this volume. Um, and so he gives a very good, solid philosophical and biblical defense of Christian education over against public. You know, one of the, uh, I guess, uh, noteworthy news um, stories about this convention, every year for the last few years of these calls for Southern Baptists to pull all students out of public schools. Do you have any thoughts on that? I, I would definitely say that that's a judgment call for the parents to make. Um, I know uh, I know students and parents uh, who, who are involved in public schools in certain districts all over the country, and the administrators are thoroughly Christian, and they're very happy to have their students uh, in public schools and uh, as, a, as a witness and making a difference. My wife and I uh, choose to homeschool our two sons, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll do that as long as the Lord leads. Um, and, of course, there are good uh, Christian schools that are out there, Christian private schools. Um, I, I would leave it up to the parents and encourage parents to just think long and hard about what's being taught uh, to their children. You know, one of the other uh, chapters I see is on religious liberty. And, uh, you know, I'm finding, we find, of course, people's religious liberty around the world being attacked. But also in this country, it seems like now, uh, if you're a Christian, you are the most marginalized uh, sector of society in many cases. For instance, in the public schools and uh, in other areas of life. Uh, and the courts continue to, uh, you know, have to deal with these issues of religious liberty. So you've got a Dr. Johnson. Is this Jerry Johnson? Yes. Tell us a little bit about that chapter, and we'll ask him more about that later. Well, again, he, he gives a, uh, a great defense for um, why we need to vie for religious liberty uh, in our in our culture and particularly among Southern Baptists, because you're right. I mean, the uh, our liberties are being chipped away at silently, slowly, sometimes quickly. Um, and he talks about uh, the historic Southern Baptist position on religious liberty and the separation of church and state, and um, how that we need to uh, to have uh, the, the the freedom to worship God in our culture and really. Uh, to be involved uh, politically. There's nothing wrong with, and in fact, we should be encouraging Christians to get involved in our society uh, politically to make a difference. Our guest is Dr. Joe Waddell. He's professor of philosophy at Criswell College. He's written the book, Baptist Faith and Message 2000, Critical Issues in America's Largest Protestant Denomination. This convention uh, is known for going back to its conservative roots 30 years ago, and it's something that uh, many, many are uh, very concerned about maintaining that conservative resurgence in the convention, and it has to be a matter of con- uh, constant vigilance, doesn't it? I do think uh, I, that's right, and I do think the, the BFNM 2000 uh, at least is a document that very, very diverse Southern Baptists can rally around. We have uh, four of the six Southern Baptist seminaries represented in this book. We have Calvinists, we have non-Calvinists, um, we even have one non-Southern Baptist who wrote an article. David Cook uh, yeah. is Baptist, but he's not Southern Baptist. David Cook, uh, we've had him on the program before. He's at Oxford, uh, an expert in bioethics, and uh, Dr. Johnson has have even been with him this summer with some students. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, did you find anything you disagreed with in that interview? Um, what do you think about this idea of Jesus' words being more important than the rest of the Bible? Southern Baptists do not believe that. Uh, 
Give us a call, 800-881-9270, if you want to talk about that, if you want to talk about the sleepover in the Senate last night or the presidential race. My thanks to our producer, Andrew Abair for helping with that interview at the Southern Baptist Convention. We had a lot of fun there, and we're having fun airing those interviews. It kind of brings back memories. Join us next segment. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture in the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with his word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. If one looks at the actions of our military in Iraq, based on the authority under which they are operating, they have achieved the missions they were given. Hillary Clinton, uh, this is uh, her speaking in the debate last night. She is all over the place on this. She changes her position. She tries to thread the needle and walk the line between her vote uh, to authorize this war in Iraq and and, uh, subsequent votes to fund it, and uh, also the liberal base of the Democrat Party who wants really to end this thing right now. Uh, If you have uh, any thoughts on this basically this charade that took place last night. Do you think the senators uh, accomplished anything by staging this all-night sleepover debate on pulling the troops? I'd love to hear your comments on it here in the final segment of the program, 800-881-9270. I want to go back to Senator Orrin Hatch. I thought he made a lot of sense because he said if we quit, if we leave, then... uh, there are going to be a lot more problems than just Iraq. Here's that. Those who think we can split from Iraq in the middle of the conflict and deal with Iran with a Tehran Tea Party are not just hopeful, they're delusional. I think uh, they are delusional, and I think uh, he's a realist, and we've got to be realistic about this. We're not talking about politics here. We're talking about national security, and we're talking about the war against Islamofascism. Let's go to the phones, 800-881-9270. Bob is in Terrell. Hi, Bob. Thanks for calling. Hello, Pena. About the words being most important from Christ, the thing is God spoke through the prophets, and Jesus Christ spoke through the uh, disciples, Paul and Peter and uh, John and so forth. So all words are important in the Bible. Good word, Bob. Thanks so much. I appreciate that, and uh, that is truth. That is true. Let's go to Lee in Plano. Hello, Penna. Uh, you were talking about the legislation last night. I think it was to call the Defense Authorization Act. Yes, that's exactly what they were debating. Yes. Uh, and do you know? Did you know that uh, Ted Kennedy attached that hate crimes amendment to the end of it? 
He did. There were many, many amendments attached to this. Yeah. And one of them was the hate crimes. And so, in a sense, that ends that for now. Right. But I think that was such a sneaky move on his part. It really has nothing to do with the defense authorization. Right. Exactly. And I called several senators today and told them that, and uh, among them Kennedy's office. And hmm. um, What did they say? They argued with me about it and said that... Uh, uh, the fact that <clears throat> that the uh, oh, they were saying that they needed that, and I said, oh no, they didn't because it's already you know that's already in all the states. Well, hate crimes. I mean, no, all crimes are hate crimes. So in a sense, they were adding sexual orientation to the list of hate crimes. You get a greater penalty uh, if it was deemed to be motivated by someone's homosexuality. That battle will continue. I mean, that was one tactic to add it to the defense authorization bill. But we'll be looking for this to be brought up again in the Senate. The House has already passed it. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to report that. I also want to report something uh, that you may have heard on the news today, and that is that Troy Dungan, the Channel 8 uh, weather reporter, he also uh, does his weather reports on KCBI, is actually retiring. That's really the end of an era. He's a great weather reporter and also a godly Christian. And uh, tonight, I think his newscast is is his last, tonight at 6 o'clock. And uh, we just appreciate Troy Dungan, the work he's done and the godly stance he takes on things. He says he's going to spend some of his retirement uh, in uh, with his new grandchild, born last month. And you will see uh, him once in a while from time to time on Channel 8. So thank you, thank you, uh, Troy Dungan. We really appreciate you. I also want to mention something else because uh, in the interview with Dr. Woodell on the Baptist Faith and Message, he mentioned education. And it's such an important issue. And here's some good news in the state of Texas, and that is that Don McElroy was elected uh, to be the uh, chairman of the State Board of Education. He's been on the State Board of Education for years. And this comes from uh, um, someone who's been active in education in Texas for many years, saying that he is a godly gentleman who calls upon the Lord to guide his path. Isn't that wonderful to have him as now head of the State Board of Education? He has been a a Sunday school uh, teacher for this person's uh, two grandchildren, and they've learned wonderful, life-changing things in his class. He carries his passion for children uh, into his commitment on the uh, State Board of Education. He has a moral compass, she says. He knows when to compromise and when to stand uncompromisingly on principle. And he understands how important it is in Texas to rewrite the education standards for our public schools. He wants to see that students must master basic skills before they can be expected to do higher-level thinking. This has been a debate that's been taking place for more than a decade, critical thinking versus teaching the basics. And in Texas, there's been uh, a lot of debate about it. There's a wonderful uh, State Board of Education right now with a lot of conservatives and some Christians on the on the board. Terry Leo joins us often on the program to explain those issues. But this uh, this person says, please join me in thanking the Lord for bringing our state to this quintessential moment in time. We now have a godly SBOCE chair, a majority of SBO members who are dedicated to bringing about real education reform. And uh, that's good news. We must not stop praying because there's much work to be done. And we will cover some of these education issues here on the program. But I think that's a a piece of excellent news uh, to know that Don McElroy, newly appointed chair of the Texas Board of Education. And uh, so we need to be praying for him. He is someone that Texans across the state need to be praying for, because even if your kids are not in the uh, public schools, 
most kids are. And so it's very important uh, to keep those folks in your prayers, and we always do. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is also very important for uh, a denomination to remain uh, true to its moorings, to its roots, and to elucidate and state its doctrine often, and that's what the Baptist Faith and Message does. And uh, it's important to know what you believe, why you believe it. And uh, so that's why we did this interview with Dr. Waddell, and we need to bring him here into the studio, too, uh, just to talk about some of these things, I think, in in more depth. Because uh, this denomination, the Southern Baptist, Criswell College is part of that, really does stay conservative on many of the issues that face the culture and that face the nation. And so it's a good guide for us as we look at the news, as we look at the uh, the problems that affect the culture. It's good to be able to look back and see what resolutions were passed and also uh, what the Baptist Faith and Message says. And, uh, you know, when you go to the scriptures uh, in the book of Second Timothy, chapter 16, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. And those denominations who stay true to the inerrancy of Scripture and God's Word, they do provide the tools, they provide the definitive answer to the problems that face us. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to mention to you that tomorrow, uh, Dr. Mark Overstreet and Denny Burke will be here for Theology Thursday. Start thinking about your questions for them. And on Friday, we'll have Rowan Scarborough, national security uh, expert from the Washington Times, with us to talk about his new book on the CIA. You don't want to miss it. Uh, Just uh, we're so grateful to you for listening, for calling. Join us tomorrow for Jerry Johnson Live. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.